0: Franklin, rest in peace. Welcome to the party, party. Bang Bang. It's Claytron, AKA, the big boss man, AKA, the clumsy jeweler. Because I'm always dropping gems, aka the PhD of podcasting, aka the mailman, because I always deliver, yes, yes, but today my delivery is going to be a bit short, why? I'm in Melbourne with uh, the the official, unofficial, welcome to the potty, NBA correspondent, Steve Calvin Fresh, that's Fresh with an F, not a PH, FYI, alright, what is this, a fucking spelling bee? Anyway, we're here. We're working on a little project. That's all I'm going to say about it. You guys will find out soon enough. Uh, if you hear any background noise, that's that's his cat, Ishdi, his kitten, uh, his kitten, Ishdi, uh, running around, playing. He plays with everything. All he's doing is playing. He's with. He's got a a, a pad, like a pad of paper, right? a notebook, and he's just eating it, scratching it, doing. He's doing it all right now. Making a whole, whole lot of fuss in the background, but um, yeah, I had to keep it short because we got some work to do. It's first thing in the morning. Um, won't tell you what day it is because it's timeless. But I hope, I hope, all of the uh, the parties are having a uh, a good weekend thus far. Uh, when you listen to this, it'll be towards the end of the weekend. So gearing up for a big week of work, closing sales. You know. Snapping necks and cash and checks, you know. Um, but yeah, we have got a uh, a great guest on today, uh, local Adelaide kickboxer Matt Stevens. Um, he's got some tickets aside for his next fight, which is next weekend. Uh, the weekend of uh, what is the date today? The the eighteenth. Uh, so I guess the twenty. What's math twenty? I guess the fights on the twenty-fifth of August. He he will plug everything in the interview though, just in case my dates are right. And read the episode description, and you get all your information there. All his fights, well, his upcoming fight and uh, his his social media and all that. So listen intently to Matt Stevens. He's a smart guy. Uh, we talk about fighting, the psychology of fighting, the psychology of life. You know, uh, training, discipline, all this. And more. Uh, so please welcome to the poddy, um, Matt Stevens. And um, as you heard at the start of the show, Aretha Franklin has passed away. So uh, um, we'll take you into this interview with uh, a little bit of Aretha. So rest in peace, Aretha Franklin, and uh, welcome to the show, Matt Stevens. So, do you
1: kickbox? Yeah. Yeah. How long have you been doing that? Uh, Kickboxing itself, only about three years. Okay. But I've, I've got a background in other martial arts. So, I started karate when I was about seven, so 20, yeah. 20 odd years ago. Okay. And then I started taekwondo about 10 years after that, so. Right. And then just started kickboxing, yeah, three years ago, basically.
0: So how did you, how did you transition from like karate and taekwondo into kickboxing?
1: Uh, so, wow. Uh, I started doing taekwondo to help karate and then I kind of really enjoyed that. So I started doing that a bit more. And then when you start getting to the top levels within Australia, there's a lot of politics and stuff involved Yeah, and you just kind of get fed up with the politics after a while. And, um. The game sort of changed a fair bit and just didn't favour people like me, you know, who's not tall and oh, okay. 17 and flexible as, so yeah. that, you know, kind of helped me make a decision that I needed to do something else. And
0: so do you mean like changes in rules? Rules or? changed. Okay. Yeah. So
1: they brought in like electronic scoring systems. So initially it was like referees would do the scoring. Yeah. So there was, you had to have good technique to score points, but then they brought in these electronic systems. Where it didn't matter how good your technique was, okay. as long as you hit a certain point, that's what would score. Oh, okay. So then the ch- people stopped kicking and just started like pushing each other with their feet, yep. and like people that were flexible could lift their leg up and just tap you on the side of the head. Oh, okay. And that you know scored three points, four points sometimes, and it's really hard to come back from that. You know when you've got great technique, but you're fighting people that just get two or three of them in a fight you know it's really difficult and kind of annoying like yeah so
0: okay um so did you how did you get into martial arts in the first place was that like any family involved in it no
1: it was the typical used to get bullied at school my parents were like you know let's do something to there was a club around the corner from my house so that's why we started training there um and then I just kind of grew to enjoy it you know yeah and then yeah my whole family does it my brother and my sister okay um but not as sort of my sister's really into a taekwondo she started doing kickboxing now yeah um my brother does it for a bit of fitness and enjoyment and stuff but I'm I'm the one that sort of takes it seriously (laughs) yeah which is like how everything goes in my family kind of thing Yeah. (laughs) yeah
0: so do you do you get paid for kickboxing? Get
1: paid for some fights. Some fights. Yeah. Um. Some depending on the show and like how much money the promoters got to pay. You know, they'll pay you. But, um. Yeah. It, it really depends. If you go interstate, you can get more money. Like Adelaide's pretty. Yeah. Pretty small the community. So, yeah, it's hard to um, it's hard to crack into that market. The big money's overseas and interstate. Yeah, that's what we're sort of looking for.
0: So when you you went to Thailand recently, was that like a training camp? Or? Yeah,
1: it was. Well, it was initially like a holiday with the missou, and she she wanted to go to Thailand and Vietnam because we love Vietnamese food and yeah. Thai food and stuff. Um, and she's recently started training Muay Thai as well, but at a different gym. Um, and then she sort of said, "Well, you know, why don't we go to Thailand and you can train and I'll." whatever and I was like yep I'm happy with that (laughs) (laughs) sounds good so yeah the holiday kind of turned into more of a training camp like we were training twice a day the both of us so okay and because over there like right now it's their monsoon season but the weather was like 32 degrees every day right you know so it was just like sweat you just you know sweat constantly like it was I came back lighter yeah than when I left so you know it was really good and heaps fitter and everything. So Did you catch
0: did you catch any fights over there?
1: Uh no, so we've been to Thailand a few times and gone to see the fights. And over there the it's pretty like the betting, the corruption over there yeah. is pretty bad. Oh yeah, I can imagine. Um like fighters will just not show up and then like the bookies are gone, you know. Oh, like, wow. That kind of stuff. Like it's <laughs> it's pretty bad. Um but it's entertaining, you know, like you definitely go over there and see fights, but we've done it heaps oh, okay. so we're just not really bothered about it this time yeah yeah
0: um so did you did you used to compete when you did karate and yeah like yeah i used to it?
1: compete like i was in the uh so they've got like an olympic recognized organization mm-hmm. for both and i was in both of those trying to make the olympics but again like the selection the selection policy and stuff like that really comes down to who you know and whether you're training at certain clubs like it's still a bit backwards because there's no funding you yeah. know? there's no there's nobody overlooking the selectors kind of thing right. so so that's where s- stuff like that really started to grate you after a while like you just get sick of the that sort of stuff happening and yeah that's kind of why I I changed I have fought internationally Um, I fought in, uh, New Zealand, Egypt, I fought in Amsterdam, Feyenoord, I fought in Vegas, I fought in Miami, um, Korea, like I fought all over the world for taekwondo and karate. Wow. Um, and that kind of really helps my kickboxing now because I've been on some pretty big stages out there, um, and I've probably been in the ring, like. 300, 400 times yeah. over the
0: years. Wow. So do, you, do you get, like, um, any type of, like, nerves before a, a fight? Like Always you, like, do. Don't fucking talk to me, like, 30 minutes before the fight. Or, nah,
1: nah, I'm a bit different. Like, I, I've, I've known... So, uh, like, over the years, like, you kind of... You get to know what your, like, your pre-fight routine and stuff like that. I'm generally fine with people talking to me. Um but I can quite easily sit by myself and and chill out. Like it doesn't really bother me um, per se, but like there's things for me, like pre-fight is mainly like the diet, making sure I get enough sleep and drink enough water and stuff like that. And then not warming up too early. Like I've made that mistake Mm -hmm. numerous times or or not warming up enough. So kind of got that streamlined a little bit, which is is good. And psychology helps me with that. Like I, I, um a psychology major and everything and that's yeah. the that sort of stuff that's really um yeah kind of helped me streamline all those processes over yeah.
0: time. Yeah, I did um I did psych as well. Oh, like, did you? That that helped me a lot with with basketball and like yeah. um trying to just find that flow state and stuff. I was like yep. found it kind of once you know more about that, it's easier to find it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Once you've been there before a little bit as well. Yeah. And, and, and you've made mistakes, you've done yeah. the wrong thing, you know,
0: that's the easiest way to learn yeah, it, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right, exactly.
1: <laughs> um, I find like, I, you probably know this as well, like f- outside the ring, psychology helps with things like, um, you know, motivation, mm-hmm. um, sticking to your diet. Cause we have to, um, And dealing with the stresses of injuries of, you know, training or setbacks and all that sort of stuff. Like psychology is important outside the ring. But inside the ring, like it's for me really important because it's helped me understand decision making Mm -hmm. a lot better. And I feel like my fight philosophy is all about decision making and making good decisions um, in the same way that like a poker player makes or tries to make good decisions or chess players or whatever right. um so yeah i mean without getting too dry like that's kind of how it's all about for me really focusing on making good decisions over the long run to put yourself into a position where you're you've made more good decisions than your opponent yeah. to create those advantages that you can end up winning the fight with
0: yeah i'll listen to uh joe rogan's podcast a bit and he yeah. he talks about like Fighting like it's a game of chess, and it 100% is um, the strategy behind it. And uh, you, you know more than I do about this, I'm not sure which martial art it is. I think it might be jiu-jitsu yeah. where you're using the opposition's Their movement strength yeah. against them, yeah, yeah.
1: jujitsu's and, and it's like push pull. Like, if I if I put too much weight on one leg that's the leg I'm gonna get swept over with or something yeah, like right. that. So you really have to be like water, like just fluid in everything. If they're if they've if they're putting pressure on you, then you you know, turn them with that pressure. Or if they're loose, you can't be tense. Yeah, you know, you've got to kind of assess like it's yeah it's a game it is a game of chess
0: yeah and that like i never used to be into fighting so much i was more into uh, like boxing yeah um a i've always been a fan of boxing but more like listening to um joe rogan and other other people that are really into fighting articulate what it's really about mm. now i appreciate it much more yeah, and i can yeah, watch yeah. it i used to just be like wow that's a pretty violent <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, yeah 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 <laughs> like, yeah it's it's you can it see the like tactics a involved thing. a little bit yeah um. So I saw. I think it was in your Instagram. You're a PhD candidate. So is that yep. for, that's for psych, obviously.
1: Yeah. So clinical psychology. I I look at sort of the intersection between video games and mental health. Okay. So, yeah, we kind of come at it from a not to say that people that play video games have addiction or anything like that. But we come at it from a perspective of people that have a problem with their video games. Mm-hmm. So 1% of people basically yep. that, that play video games, small minority of people, but those people that have problems, how can we sort of help them? Right. That's, That's
0: interesting. I've, I I used to have a client that was like, yeah, he was, he was definitely addicted Yeah, and it was, he was just taking up. It was, it was affecting his life, like, so negatively. Yeah. He wasn't sleeping at night. That's the key. Like, wasn't, you know, wasn't getting intimate with his wife. Yeah. Stuff like that. Just yeah. video games, video games, video games. He ended up getting carpal tunnel. Yeah. Like, yeah, surgery yeah, on yeah. his hands. He was a soldier. Like, oh, shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I like my video games, but I just not that much yeah 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 yeah.
1: (laughs) well most people are able to kind of regulate their video games and like and everything like drinking exactly right exactly right but some people through you know a number of different factors whether that be like emotion regulation or you know their inability to control their response to certain cues or it might be like a traumatic trigger yeah they don't know they don't have healthy coping mechanisms they then might turn to video games because it makes them feel good or it satisfies a need somewhere in their right. life that they're missing. And we try and understand that a bit more so that we can help them kind of thing.
0: Yeah. So, so, do, you, so do you have your master's already? No. No? No. So I'm
1: halfway through a PhD.
0: Oh, okay. So if you're doing a PhD, do you not have
1: to do a master's? Or? Uh, technically you should, but... Yeah. I, and I was planning on doing it, mm-hmm. but I don't know anymore if I want to do a master's of clinical psychology. Yeah. I, I'm thinking maybe leaning towards sport. Okay. Sport psychology a bit more because I understand the psychology of sports a lot better than I understand, you know, right. clinical stuff. And...
0: Yeah. Okay. That's, that's pretty interesting.
1: What about you? Did you major? You said you I just, sport.
0: yeah, I just did my um, bachelor. So okay. I did, I did double degree in communication and psychology. Yeah. Um, do you and, find
1: that, like, psychology... Like, i found, like, people always say, okay, psychology, do you read your opponents in the ring? And stuff yeah. like that. I, no, it's more for me. Yes. Like, psychology has taught me so much more about myself and why I do things and everything. Do you find that as well? Like,
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, like I said before, like, being able to reach that flow state. Like, you've been there before. Um, And, you know, for me, playing basketball, like, the, the hoop feels like a hula hoop some days, you know? And it's yeah, like, yeah. how do I... Get there again, like, yes, I've got to practice, but there is a mental component to mm. it, which I would not have been able to recognize yeah. prior to my learning. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, like you said, motivation, um, discipline.
1: Yeah. And just all, yeah. Probably in basketball, like, because it's a team sport, there's like leadership and yeah. all that sort of stuff as well. Recognizing yeah. group dynamic, probably.
0: Yeah. And taking, being able to take criticism as well. Absolutely. I feel, I feel like that's, that's huge. Yeah. Because if um, if you don't if you're not yeah. able to take criticism, yeah, like you can have the best game in the world, right, and someone can come and pat you on the back, or they can tell you something to help you get better for next yeah. time, or you can wait until you fail and have to learn from that failure. Yeah. Whereas, like, you can keep succeeding and take criticism on board and get better and better and better. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, I think I think psych definitely definitely helped my performance yeah. down the line. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's good, man. Like so you know it's kind of like when i first started studying it i was like like you don't really learn anything like yeah you kind of feel like you've got fingers in all these different pies with it like this you don't really learn in depth about any one subject but then as you kind of it's it's great because everyone is a psychologist you know for themselves we all assess our own decisions and our behaviors and stuff intuitively we do it all the time Mm -hmm. So it's good to be able to do a degree like psychology, where you can ground it in things that you know about yourself and yeah. that sort of stuff.
0: It's it's a useless bachelor degree though. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Which I've like, absolutely. I've been it's... struggling with a lot yeah, yeah, since yeah. leaving, but um, I was, I was close to doing my masters, yeah. but I school was never like my favorite thing. I've always done well, but never yeah, really yeah, yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah. And I was like, do I want to focus that hard for another two years? Yeah. Not really. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm with you, man. I'm, yeah. with you. I'm with you. So yeah, so that degree sort of you know sit behind the monitors, yeah. you know, not doing a whole heap. But yeah. Um, yeah, what what does your training look like on a day to day basis? Or obviously it would taper off towards a fight. Like now it might is it
1: is it sort of yeah. calming down? Yeah. So a bit? yeah, so I've got a fight in two weeks. Yeah. Um. For this week, there'll be hard training but then you yeah, come sort of Saturday then it sort of tapers off well, I, tr- I train twice a day most fighters you'll find do most athletes I consider myself an athlete rather than a fighter yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I basically run or cycle every morning and then go to the gym and yeah. train every night Okay. basically I'll have Sunday off so I, I ran this morning but yeah. you know I should have Sunday <laughs> off but like I'm kind of a bit I'd rather over train than be under prepared like yep. that, again that's where sort of for me decision making is massive like I, I i know i need to control all these variables within a fight within my training w- within the build up everything i need to make sure that everything is done right all the boxes are checked yeah everything like that i'd hate to go into the ring thinking like i wasn't prepared in some way because that'll play on my mind. Yeah. I know that about myself, so I need to make sure that that's all done. So yeah,
0: that... yeah, and even even if it doesn't play on your mind during the fight, if if um you did lose, uh, the worst thing you can have in your head is, oh, you know what? I could have, I could prepare better yeah. for this.
1: I'd kick myself. Yeah, like I'm here to kingdom come. If that happened, you know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. Yeah, like I said twice a day sort of it's good i still live at home and i've got great parents and my girlfriend lives with me as well so and like come fight time like not that i ask for it but like everything sort of seems to center around me like the meals that get cooked are (laughs) always leading you know much to like my brothers and my sisters disgust quite often it's just like sort of soup and stuff you know but like these are the things that my family do for me. These like little 1% things that make it all the better. And like, I don't have to focus on anything other than getting up in the morning, train, do my uni, train, go to sleep, you know, like that's my life. Do
0: they all all go to the fights? Yeah. Yeah. I always
1: get family and friends there and always like this, this fight, I know there's about 70 odd people that are coming to watch. Like people, it's, it's a real entertaining night, like just of itself. Um, but you know, when you've got a friend there that's fighting, people always say to me afterwards, like that they get really like emotional during it. Like it's like, because you're watching a friend of yours, like get punched in the face and stuff. It's like really kind of tribal in a way. Like people, I've got a, a couple of mates have said to me like, before they didn't know what to expect, and they were watching a few of the earlier fights, and they were like, "Oh yeah, you know, whatever." But then as soon as I came on and like it was going, they just like because they had a connection to me, it was like they just turned into beasts yeah. on the sideline, <laughs> and they're like screaming and stuff, and like these are just people that would never do that, you know. Yeah, it was probably
0: really strange um, seeing seeing you get violent. Oh was, yeah, was yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I'm not I'm not a violent person. I'm quite placid, even. You know at the worst of times and you find
0: that with most fighters as well like the the people like you know out in the city or whatever that are getting violent then you know they're not no disciplined like yeah. f- when you do a martial art you you learn that discipline absolutely and you, yeah you're often much more reserved and just like peaceful yeah <laughs> until, absolutely until bro. you're in the yeah, room. Absolutely, like, absolutely. yeah absolutely
1: absolutely I think that's one of the... That's a really good point. Like That's one of the things that martial arts themselves have taught me, like karate and taekwondo, as like traditional martial arts, is all about that kind of discipline, respect... And all that kind of stuff. And that's kind of what I've brought into now, the way that I fight. I'm very disciplined, very respectful. Like some people like Conor McGregor and stuff, for example, are just the opposite. But that's how they, they're entertainers. And yeah, that's the thing. And you he's look a at... businessman. And he and knows Floyd. his business. He knows he's his market.
0: Yeah, and I was like, Floyd Mayweather, he's a, he's a great fighter. Um, but if you don't love boxing you don't want to watch that because no one's getting knocked yeah. out. Yeah. But he's found a way to make the world want to watch him lose. So everyone's buying the pay-per-view. Everyone's and, going to his and fights. His pocket's getting locked yeah. regardless. Yeah. And it's like, he might not really be like that, talking about money and stuff, but he might not hold that as high as he acts like he does. Yeah. But he knows that people are going to come watch him fight to watch him lose. Yeah, exactly. But he's... I mean, he hasn't, any, he hasn't lost. Any press is good press, yeah, you know, that's like it. that's
1: the old saying. But yeah, so as as fighters, like you have to be, you have to recognize that, like you have, you're an entertainer. People mm. are paying sometimes a hundred bucks to come and watch you fight. You know, mm. it's, it, it's expensive for people to come along and if you're paying that kind of money, you want to be entertained. Yeah. You know, so we as fighters kind of have to cater to that as well. Like I try and throw spinning stuff and try and do stuff because when I think about like if I go to stuff if I pay to watch something I want to watch something that I can go wow I wish I could do that or I'm not willing to do that like (laughs) full props to you kind of thing I don't want to pay and watch something that I can leave thinking oh I could have done that you know so that's what I try and do in the ring is try and leave people with that sense of like fuck that was good you know I enjoyed watching that
0: yeah That spinning stuff is that is that a bit of a gamble?
1: It's massive gamble. Yeah, man, massive gamble. But the thing is, like, it's a calculated gamble because I I have thrown hundreds of thousands of these kicks before and I've landed them before and I know what lands. I know when to do it. I don't just throw it, you know, for the sake of throwing it. There's times where it will work better than you know times where it won't. Yeah. And this I, this kind of ties into my fight philosophy as a whole. It's like about making those good decisions to create those advantages. Like I look at fighting the way that a poker player kind of plays poker. I don't know if you play poker or whatever. Not properly. (laughs) A lot lot of people think poker is about gambling, but it's not. It's about risk and reward, cost benefit analysis. Like the best poker players in the world are all statisticians. They know what's my probability of winning this hand so they do this benefit analysis and they know, what does it cost me? And it doesn't matter if your probability of winning the hand is one in 10. Yeah. If it only cost you 1 20th of the pot to enter, yeah. in the long term, that's a sensible financial decision that you make. And that's what poker players do. And that's, the thing is right, like about fighting, there's no sort of textbook on fight tactics and be a good fighter. There's nothing like that. Like I've had to learn, from poker, I've had to learn from chess, I've had yeah. to learn from football, like all these different sports, how do they relate to fighting and what can I use? And with poker, it's all about making good decisions then and there. And yeah. it might not be the decision you wanna make, or, you know, for example, like, look at it this way. I, I, I think about it is there's three sort of areas that you can look during a fight to Im- improve your chances of winning. There's like technical areas, There's positional areas, and there's situational areas, or factors, or whatever. Technical areas might be like, if someone throws a jab, then they're open to some side of their body. Mm -hmm. So there's a trade-off there. By throwing that jab, they leave themselves potentially open to getting hit here, or, you know. So you look to try and exploit those areas um, or if, say, for example, they've got a really good right hand straight punch, I might switch to southpaw to take that away from them. Mm-hmm. You know, so you look for those like little technical advantages. You also look for positional advantages, and this like if we think about chess, the, one of the main things a chess player does is try and control the center of the board because there, from there, you can your pieces are free to move and they have the full effect. In the ring, it's the same thing. It is a square ring, even though it's called a ring. Yeah. If you're in the center, you've got a lot more options available to you, you know, moving back, moving forward, whatever. Whereas if you're on the ropes, you've really only got lateral movement or in. Right. So you potentially leave yourself open to getting hit or knocked out by standing on the ropes. Yeah. So you want to control that center. Right. And then you've also got situational advantages. And so that might be... If you say, for example, you hit someone and you, you you punch them in the face and they drop. I don't know if you've ever been slightly concussed, yeah. but you know, you've kind of out of it for a bit, but if you haven't actually been concussed, you give yourself about a minute and you're recovered. That's the perfect time. Like if you hit someone and they drop and they get counted, nine fighters out of 10 or 99 fighters out of 100 will go for the head. Like if if that was me, I'm I'm looking, I'm going to try and hit them in the head because you think I'm going to finish the fight here. But by doing that, you're playing into their hands because they know that you're going to attack them. So they've got their hands out, they're guarding, they're moving and it's almost you're you're making it harder for them or you're making it easy for them to predict what you're doing. In that situation, you should fake to the head because the body's open because their hands are up guarding there. And if you can hit someone in the body when they're not ready to get hit, you know, that... They'll go down. Yeah. So that's a smarter decision there in the long run. Yeah. And that's kind of what I, like my philosophy is about. It's like, look, you need to understand intuitively, like all of these little things and then be able to exploit them in the ring when you're tired, stressed, hungry, you know, because all of your, these things affect your decision making. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Yeah. So...
0: What's... Does your strategy change from fight to fight depending on, like, what kind little, of... Little things do. Yeah.
1: So, some... Like, the last fight I, I had... I'd watched a few videos and I'd noticed that my opponent was particularly susceptible to direct straight punching. Mm-hmm. Um, but very good at defending sort of round kicks and stuff like that. So, I knew that by opening up with certain attacks and then just straight down the line would pay off and it ended up paying off this fight that's coming up the opponents a little bit tighter but there are sort of certain weaknesses that we've identified that we we'll look to exploit like there's fights where I've gone and fought Southpaw yeah. you know because I'm like I fought a dude that's probably as tall as you like wow. six foot five I don't know how tall you are but so what, what weight are you fighting at? I fight at 70 kilos I've so fought- that must have
0: be a pretty skinny dude yeah, 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 too. He was, he,
1: he's tall, skinny, long legs. Um, but that was the thing. Like his range meant that it was, and he was a southpaw as well. Okay. So, and typically southpaws that are taller than you are able to exploit that outside if you let them. So I went to southpaw to take that away from him, and he really didn't know what to do. Okay. And then, then it starts to play in my hands. Like if if I do what you are expecting me to do you've got the advantage. Yeah. Whereas if I do what I want to do and make you have to adapt to me, then I've got the advantage. I've got the upper hand. And that's kind of where my philosophy and all that sort of lies.
0: Can every fighter um, do that, switch to southpaw?
1: (sighs) See, This is the thing. Like a lot of gyms will say, don't train southpaw because it takes away from your training on orthodox. Right. So, but a lot of gyms will say, well, you need, you need to be competent at Southpaw because what happens if you get hit and your leg gets damaged or something and you can't yeah. walk on it, you know, if you can't fight Southpaw, then you just have to give up the fight. Yeah. Like, so I think it's a good idea personally to for everyone to be able to do Southpaw. Not many people, or well, some people agree, not many people do. A lot of people just train their own way and yeah. implement their system like crash bang yeah. I'm more of like an adapt to the environmental situation right I'm than, um
0: I don't know why but I, I'm right handed but I'm naturally more comfortable
1: Yeah. Southport um, yeah. I don't, I don't get it but uh, t- so I, my left leg is from my taekwondo days doing a lot of kicking yeah. and when I used to play AFL like or well, football never played AFL yeah. but you know what I mean um I was always a left footer, but I'm a right-hander, but sometimes right left-handed, like it's just Yeah, uh, right. Just ambidexterity, I guess, but I'm more comfortable if I'm boxing in an orthodox stance, but I'm more comfortable if I'm kicking in a southpaw stance because okay. I've got that left leg. Yeah. So it's good like I can change it up during a fight. Yeah. But, you know, I need to be wary of if my opponent is on the money, they'll realize that if I'm in southpaw I'm probably kicking. Yeah. You know, so that's where I kind of need to use footwork to change during attacks, yeah. rather than just switch to southpaw and go. Okay, here I come. It's like you'll throw an attack and step into a southpaw kick. thing. Right. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's hard, man. But like, it's a lot
0: of um, coordination. It well, does well, take well, you. Yeah. Obviously, there has to be fighting well, any sport year. takes coordination. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, oh well. The more the more AFL I watch, the less I believe. It. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I
1: agree, man. I don't know. This might piss some people off, but I just can't get rugby. You know, like, yeah. I, don't, I don't get it. But, but, yeah.
0: uh, <laughs> uh, I lived. I lived in Townsville for a year, and that's all. that that, yeah, 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 yeah. Nothing. I just I couldn't get into it. Um. So take me take me through what your your toughest
1: training would look like. Toughest training. Um. Well, the gym that I train at's pretty brutal. Like the trainer, he, especially when it gets closer and closer to fights, I think he gets a bit more nervous about yeah. it. Like he's very competitive like me and always wants to win. And his gym's on show kind of thing. So he's very like, when, when it comes to pads, like if I've got a, a five by two minute round fight, we'll do six by three minute rounds on pads. Yeah, You know, so you're kind of over-training. And during that time, you get slapped around with the pads, and you're just tired and fatigued and stuff like that. Um, so generally, like the sessions at night that we do are, are pretty. In- they're some of the hardest training I've ever yeah. you know, ever ever done. Um, that's why I like going for nice like easy jogs in the morning. You know, yeah. <laughs> just to change it up a little bit. But yeah, so we'll so so for example, we train at... Training starts at 4.30, I get there at four and I go for a run and then I'll cycle and then come about 4.45, skip or just get wrapped up, start shadow boxing and then we'll hit. So we'll do three by two minute rounds of shadow boxing just to kind of warm up. I'm already like drenched by that point. Um, And then we'll do, we'll go and hit like a heavy bag or we'll do drills or stuff, something like that for like three, two minute rounds. And then we'll do either like sparring or like I said, hard rounds on the pads um, and then clinching at the end. And usually it's like there's I've got a good, good group of us at our gym and there's, so say I'm the one having a fight. It'll be me clinching for five minutes and each person coming in after a minute, just yeah. like fresh rounds yeah. grappling with you and stuff like that. So, or same thing with sparring as well. Like you'll be in for three minutes and then you've got three opponents every minute kind of yeah. thing.
0: And so the and when you're sparring it's it's like you're not going all out.
1: It it's wow, well, so this is the thing, like Joe Rogan is against hard sparring and yeah. a lot of people are, but we do pretty hard sparring okay. in our gym. Um obviously like you like if you hit your opponent, they're your teammate, right? yeah. Like you don't kind of you, you see that they're okay and you continue, like you don't go after you're not trying to knock each other out kind of thing. Yeah. But it is pretty competitive because at the end of the day, like you see it all the time, gyms that don't do a lot of hard sparring when they actually get out into the ring and you get hit in the leg or punched in the face and you're like, I haven't been here before. Yeah. That's when you're in big trouble. Okay. So you want to make sure I, I believe anyway, you want to make sure that you've been in that situation before, you know, as near to like sort of, Whatever of whatever you'd call it, like realistic as possible. Yeah, you know, because you're not you're not going to be able to simulate an actual fight because there's so many factors. Yeah, that go into it. <laughs> but it's all random. Like, it is, yeah. yeah, and like you're in at training, you're in your home gym, you know, like you you go to this place every day, you know what it's like in the ring. You might be in front of different crowd at a different venue. You might be red side when you're normally blue or something like that. Like all these things can, you know play against you kind of thing there's all these factors that can influence how you perform on the night so you want to make sure that what you can control you have controlled and like i said be prepared 100 yeah. percent to yeah because you your
0: right um, mom and miss i get nervous
1: my mum doesn't come to watch me fight okay <laughs> Uh, for for the exact reason that she would hate to see me get hurt. Yeah. But she's the first person to you know call me afterwards, and she'll she'll sit down and watch a video of the fight. Yeah. On replay. Once she Afterwards, knows that you're okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, during the fight, she she won't. Um, Miss o opposite, like she'll she's front and center. Like yeah. <laughs> she, she loves it. She's she's kind of the same. Like she would hate to see me get hurt, but she knows how much I train, how long I've been training. Like we met doing taekwondo yeah. 10 years ago. Oh, okay. We've been together for about six um, and we were training at the same club and all that kind of stuff and relationships at training. Can I just say, do not work. Yeah. <laughs> like, do, do not mix business and pleasure. Man, yeah. that is, <laughs> that's a bad idea. But um, yeah, so she she knows what it's about. She she was much better at taekwondo than I ever was. Yeah. She was winning medals internationally and stuff and She's only just started training again now, so hopefully she'll get in the ring one day, but we'll see. Yeah.
0: Um, have you You you've you've won by knockout before? Yeah. Yeah. So when you knock someone out, you when you connect, you know? Instantly, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: So I've got a like not the previous fight, which I won by TKO, but the fight before I landed a flush spinning kick. Okay. And as soon as it hit, it hit the neck. Yeah. I could feel like the soft flesh part. As yeah. soon as it hit, I just knew instantly, and I just walked off. I was like, "Yep, it's done." I didn't yeah. even need to look; like I just knew. Yeah. You know? you know the sound, you know the feeling, and everything just connected perfectly. Um, and then went and checked my opponent. Th- like that's the main thing for me. I think if you if you hit someone, like I said, I'm an athlete. I'm not a I'm not an aggressive, violent person. I did it. I went to my corner, gave him a high five. Then I went to check if the, the dude was okay. He was fine. So that's all that matters really. Yeah. But yeah, absolutely. If, I, I'm sure it's like when you throw a three point, you know as soon as it leaves your fingers, yeah. whether it's going, you know, yeah. not, you know, that's, it's, it's like that.
0: Yeah. Um. And uh, any, do you ever get guys that are coming in against you and like you're a pretty, Kind reserved guy. Do you get guys like talking shit?
1: I haven't yet. No, I haven't yet, but I will face it. I know that I will. But yeah. like I said, I am very confident in my own ability, and my I don't rise to the bait. Yeah, like I'll smile, wink, even you know, and just let my fighting do the talking in the ring because yeah. that's where it matters, you know. And you see with people like Connor, like he's the biggest shit talker there is. But like, you watch as soon as every fight's finished him and his opponent are like brothers. Yeah. Like they embrace and it's like all of that shit talking for me, when people do that is like a, a self-motivating sort of tactic. Like they might be insecure. They might think that they need to do this. You know, for me, it's like, I know what I'm about. I know what I'm capable of and how I'm going to fight and all that sort of stuff. I don't need to, yeah. you know, engage in your like tactics. Yeah. Like I'm just going to sit back and, you know, hopefully win. Yeah. Because it sucks if you did that and then you lost. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But that's, yeah. So I, I try not to rise to the bait, but, you know, when you're in the ring and it's round five and you're fatigued and everything, like, that's when emotion starts taking over yeah you know and that's what i was saying before about trying to make sure your decision making processes are on point and you've made them under fatigue that many times that the emotion doesn't take over yeah that you're just cold like logic reason decision making like that for me is the most important thing
0: yeah and that's I mean that all builds from doing that, you know, that extra round for for an extra
1: minute. Absolutely. Training absolutely does, and having people just bash you with pads and clinch you, and there's no like if they sweep you and you're on the ground, no one's like putting a hand down and saying, "Come on, get up." It's like get up, get up, get up, and you have to just get up and get on with it, man. Like you just have to you do it. But then when you go into the ring, you've been there before. You've done everything. You you know you you as ready as you will ever possibly be yeah. for that moment, you know, so.
0: And, um, and coming into weigh-in, oh, yeah, are you, you know, doing all your running and shit in, in like sweatpants and a hoodie and, yeah, or so, depending on, depending on how, you know, how your weigh, weight yep. is going into it.
1: Yeah. So that's kind of a science in and of itself like the way in yeah. managing your diet. Um, and so for me, it's like, I'll, I'll find out maybe eight weeks or six weeks before I have a fight and what weight I have to be. So then my diet will start at that point and I'll know, okay, I've got to lose six kilos, you know, mm-hmm. in that time. So I'll try and lose it over that four or five week period and then start water loading as well. I don't know if you know what water loading is, but basically you just drink a shitload of water and you flush out sodium because your body's hydrated all the time, so it feels like it doesn't need water. And then you stop taking sodium, stop ingesting carbs in that last sort of three-day period, and you just your body's got no mechanism through which to hold water anymore. So it just flushes out. Oh, okay. So so over that like extended period of time, you drink a lot of water, and your body composition changes, and your muscles hold a lot of water, and then. You, with your you'd be in a calorie deficit so you're not putting on weight and then come those last few days you just get rid of all that water and I might have to lose a kilo in a salt bath or something the night right so weigh-in's usually Friday night mm-hmm. 7 or 6.30 or something I'll jump in at a bath at like 5 o'clock yeah. on a Friday lose that kilo two kilos whatever it is straight to weigh-in weigh-in and then rehydrate wow because I've done it the wrong way before, you know, I've, I've I've lost six kilos in a salt bath over the two days before. Yeah. And then you go into the ring and you're just lethargic, you know, you've, each leg feels like it's 70 kilos. Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I've made all these mistakes before. And then what you eat after weighing is massively important as well. Like if you, if you have, you obviously have to replace your glycogen stores, but if you eat too much, you get your insulin spikes and the same sort of thing you get slow so it's really like high protein a little bit of fat have your carbs to replenish but then the day of the fight I'll have like just protein only you know yeah. I'll have a bit of brown rice and some tuna or brown rice and a piece of salmon or something at like 4 before I fight usually at 7 8 o'clock yeah Diet's wow. massive. That sounds so sort of fucking crazy. It sucks, <laughs> no do honestly. It's like I always say to people, like people ask, like, what's the hardest part about fighting? It's the diet, man. It's the yeah. it's the like the willpower that you have to have and like all that to just stick to it. And then as soon as you like, because you can imagine not eating ice cream or something for six weeks. As soon as you're allowed to eat it, like yeah. you fucking want ice cream. Like, yeah. that's all you want, you know. But Wait, wait 36 hours, you know, like as soon as you finish your fight, go hard. But for that little window, eating correctly and just like for me drinking like probably about 10 liters of water between weigh-in and the time I actually fight. Wow. Yeah. Because I get so used to training super hydrated that I don't want to go into the fight dehydrated at all. Yeah. I'm used to fighting hydrated. So I'll probably, when I walk into the ring, be like 75 kilos. Well, when and when I weigh in at seventy. Wow. So and that's, that's an so advantage crazy. that you try and have. It's all water weight, you yeah. know, and you you fluctuate two or three kilos in a day, but yeah, it's these are like little advantages that you need to have. If you can be, you'll never be a hundred percent going into the ring simply because cutting weight takes that much out of you. But if you can be ninety percent as opposed to eighty percent, you know, and if you if you can lose. 10% of that is water and not muscle mass, yeah. you know, that's an advantage, so
0: and that's called water loading? Water loading
1: wow. all, all fighters do it, all people that make weight for various events, so jockeys weightlifters, cross I don't know if crossfit people do it, but like people that have to be a certain weight at a certain point of time, they basically all do okay, water well, loading
0: nah, yeah, no thanks <laughs> <laughs> no, nah,
1: honestly, like if, uh, if anyone wants to be a fighter, just try, like, a test weight cut to see. Yeah. Like, if you can deal with that, then you can deal with anything. But that, like, th- that's that's the most fucked thing about the fight game. Yeah. What's your record? Uh, eight fights, yeah. eight wins, four by knockout.
0: Wow. And what's the difference between knockout and TKO?
1: Knockout is when... Uh, they get counted and they aren't able to stand up mm-hmm. by the ten count. A TKO is where a ref stops the fight, you know, they might count them to eight yeah. and they're standing but they're swaying or like they I had an opponent like dislocated his shoulder and then the other team threw the towel in because he kept dislocating it. Whoa. Um last fight I had the ref stopped the fight and as he stopped the fight, their corner through the towel in. So that's classed as a TKO. Yeah. Even though I knocked him down and he was down and he stood up by the eight count but was swaying and the ref stopped it. Yeah. It's still technically a, t- a technical knockout rather yep. than an actual knockout. The fight before that in April with a spinning kick that landed flush, um, and the ref like he was still down after four or five minutes. Okay. But he was like conscious and everything, but just not able to kind of move. And right.
0: So what's that, like, two two or three fights a year then? Uh,
1: last year, I think I had four. Okay. But, yeah, so shows there's... This fight is at the Knees of Fury, and they have four a year. Okay. Um, but it just depends if you get matched up or not. But I had a fight in Border Town as well, um, and the last one in April was in... at the, They have the funniest names, right? So Knees of Fury resurrection of the warrior yeah (laughs) shins of steel like like, bruce (laughs) lee movies yeah yeah (laughs) just pick a body part and pick like a fucking something yeah Yeah. that's it um so but yeah there's a few shows like interstate that we want to try and try and get to but yeah that's the thing like if you if you have to cut weight all the time it's hard to have a fight you know like every two months that's kind of like the minimum i think maybe like five six weeks is kind of the minimum between fights because after you weigh in and then you fight usually your shins are all like battered and bruised and whatever so you have to kind of take a week off training yeah at least hard training i still run and cycle and stuff like low impact stuff obviously running's high impact but i don't run that hard um but you know just to get the blood flowing but your shins are still like Putty man, like I've got videos on Insta of like pressing my shins and they go in like that far, like wow. in, an inch. You know, it's it's bad. Yeah. Um, and you just can't physically kick anything and hit anything because you just, you know. So you need that time to recover after you fight. Um, and you or you also need a time like you need that downtime as yeah. well. You know, like you've been your social life goes out the window when you're a fighter. Yeah. Like you can't go out on Saturday nights and get pissed with the boys. Like yeah. you you have to, you know, be in bed by nine o'clock every night. Just about you know. Um, and even if you wanted to, you wake up that early and you're out all day doing stuff. You you fall asleep by nine. If yeah. yeah. So um, you need to be able to have that kind of um, release after your fight, mm. and it's too too close to be able to do that and then jump into a fight two weeks later or something. Yeah. But if you're doing it professionally and you're on a contract with UFC or you know Glory's the main kickboxing show you might have a contract for five fights or four fights you know in two years or something like yeah that. Right. and you can only exclusively fight on their show so like that's kind of yeah i mean people some people that have had like 200 fights and stuff like they'll go and ha- they'll fight in like an eight-man tournament where they had three fights in one night and they'll do that you know for x amount of years and stuff like that so you can build up fights quickly. And if you go to Thailand, it's the Wild West, man. It's like, oh, you look 70 kilos, get in the ring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so um, so that's how people get a lot more, a lot quicker. But yeah, I, I, I fight pretty regularly Yeah. for for fight. Like there's some people that have one fight a year, but I always seem to get matched up because I weigh 70 kilos, which is a, like a pretty common weight, yeah. you know. Whereas if I was 60 kilos or... 100 kilos, it might be a bit different. Like, mm. It's harder to find people, but just the sheer volume of fighters at 70 kilos is easy for me to get fights. So,
0: okay. And what's the what's the ultimate goal?
1: Uh, I'd love to fight on an international show like Glory. Glory is like the main kickboxing show. It's owned by the UFC and stuff like that. They don't pay fighters that well. Like you might make, unless you're like a, a big star, you can make 200 grand a fight. Like you might only make... 10 grand a fight or something like that so it doesn't really compensate for like your travel and that sort of stuff but the exposure is massive and for me it's all about just getting the exposure because I feel like I can do a lot of stuff that people like to see like spinning kicks and stuff people are really entertained by that sort of stuff so if you can go on those shows you can get a name for yourself you know you can get these big fights you want to kind of stand out from the crowd in a way because that's how you get noticed and, and whatever so that's the ultimate goal, but to get there, I have to win fights in Adelaide. Then I have to win fights, interstate yep. on the biggest shows, and then when Glory comes to Perth, which it does every couple of years, you might get on the card there, and hopefully you win there, and that's how you sort of, okay. you know, catapult yourself up. But all yeah.
0: right, well, good luck with all of that. Thanks,
1: man. Cheers. Do
0: you have do you have a charity that you like?
1: Uh so I used to um, volunteer for Lifeline. Lifeline. Taking phone calls and stuff. Yeah. Um. So I I do really. They they're kind of close to my heart and. Um. Yeah. Probably Lifeline. I was gonna say the um, the fight MND. Oh, motor neuron disease. Like my grandma died of motor neuron disease about ten years ago. So that's another charity that's close to my heart. But I think Lifeline is probably a better one just because um, they really really do need. Help, yeah. Um, having been in the organization and seeing what it's like, they they are they need help. So, all
0: right, well, we've got a game. I don't know if you've if you've heard, I have heard you have,
1: I've listened to a couple of podcasts.
0: Yes, so So we've got sourced, unsourced. true or false source is true unsourced is false yep I've got five statements here yep let's say if you get if you get three out of five fifty dollars to lifeline Mm -hmm. if you get five out of five fifty dollars to lifeline and MND oh wow okay um
1: they're all fight related
0: oh here we go but None of them are kickboxing related.
1: They're all UFC or boxing. <laughs> Here <laughs> um, we go. This right. will test me.
0: So first we've got... Uh, Steven Seagal broke Sean Connery's wrist while
1: teaching him martial arts. Uh, you know what? That That is something that Steven Seagal would do, but I'm going to say unsourced. That's sourced. Oh! <laughs> Fuck. Steven Seagal is... A predator. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um
0: did you hear about the portion draw? Yeah, yeah, that's oh. bad, isn't it? That's so Stephen Sigala. <laughs> um okay. okay. The reason Trump isn't scared of Putin is because Trump is a golden gloves
1: boxer. <laughs> that's unsourced. Unsourced, <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. and well, isn't anyway. Putin like a judo star as well? Yeah, I think so. It, yeah, yeah, so Donald, although Donald (laughs) probably thinks he could take it. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Okay, so one and one. Sylvester Stallone asked Ernie Shavers to punch him for real during the filming of Rocky. And after he got punched, um, he vomited straight
1: away. I know he did ask him to punch him for real. So I know that part's true. Did he vomit? I'm going to say he did. Sourced. Yes, sourced. Two, one. Okay.
0: Bob Barker, he's from The Price Is Right, yeah, and he beats up uh, Happy Gilmore.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, he's a black belt in karate, and he was trained by Chuck Norris.
1: Ah, uh, look, I'm gonna say sourced. Yes, sourced.
0: <laughs> there it is, three out of four. All right, last one for good measure. Cool. Muhammad Ali never refused an autograph. Sourced. Sourced. Yes, four out of five. He was a legend. Yeah um all right well 50 bucks to to lifeline from welcome to the potty um yeah man well thanks thanks for coming thanks for having me and um good luck for the the fight in two
1: weeks um yeah so i'll just plug the fights uh it's yep 25th of august i don't know when this potty will be up
0: uh this will go up next weekend so the week before the fight okay
1: yeah so it'll be the week before um it's in in town. If anyone's interested in coming along, it's it's usually like sold out. It, this one will sell out. Tickets are online at kneesoffury.com, I think. Um, but yeah, it's always it's always um, a good night. They sell drinks there, so you just go and get pissed and just scream at people beating each other. <laughs> so it's good fun. Um, but yeah, be be good to see some faces there. yeah
0: I reckon um, me and Rachel definitely go um, oh really yeah, oh, yeah maybe maybe Dan as well if he's if he's around but
1: Dan, yeah. Dan's talked to me about it and Sam Hackendorf who you had on the oh call, yeah he's he said to me a few times he likes to come along so
0: yeah well I'll see if I can get a squad together um, if there's enough tickets yeah left. sure man yeah alright um, anything else that you want to plug um, social media or anything
1: Uh, yeah so really only inst- uh, Instagram is the only one I'm active on which is um the handle is Matty Stev, so M-A-T-T-Y Stevs, S-T-E-V-Z. Um, and, yeah, I have Twitter, but that's really just to follow sort of politics and stuff. And I yeah. don't really, you know, I don't really, and I kind of, it's a bit of a cesspool as well, so I kind of turn it off as in, <laughs> um, But, yeah, so follow me on Insta if you want to see sort of videos of me just kicking stuff really <laughs> no
0: worries all uh, right thanks a lot thanks for having me clay no worries cheers i'm ult and i don't fuck with you if you ain't us in me i trust i turn these niggas in the cosmic dust i'm loaded lux with an older cake, cop back i spray your bus that your shit that way the shit you're running through my blood these brand new niggas took my name and drug it through the mud i get the
1: hammer i be the judge like dread police judge my dread. fuck your favorite artist make sure they all dead shanks
0: Yo, I'm telling you, this is like fucking, this is hospitality. This is like, I'm at a fucking hotel getting room service and shit. Mr. Fresh comes downstairs, makes fuck coffee, brings it to me. I'm sitting at, I'm sitting at the table drinking a freshly brewed coffee, recording the potty. Man, this is good shit. But anyway, that was Matt Stevens. Uh, good, good luck in the fight. I hope he, uh, you know, I hope he fares well and keeps that un, unblemished record. So at the moment, he's 8-0, and, o, and uh, we're looking at that 9-0 and o victory coming up on the 25th of August. Make sure you get there. Look it up, Um And uh, yeah, me, me and Rachel will be there. Matty's told us that uh, he's put some tickets aside, try and get a little squad together and uh, and uh, I don't know, see what see what kind of uh, animals we turn into watching, watching Matt uh, at war. But, uh, the music you just heard was Perks by Denzel Curry, uh, his new project that's just been released. So, uh, that's off the album Taboo. I really, really enjoy it. I've been listening to it nonstop, um, si- uh, since I've been in Melbourne, cause that was what I listened to on the plane ride over. So yeah, have a look at, uh, Denzel Curry, Taboo. Don't forget to get to kneesoffury.com and, uh, you know, you know, all the rest at welcome to the party on instagram at welcome party on twitter welcome to the party on facebook hit us up at welcome to the party at gmail.com to uh hit us up with those poor posture of the week and listen to this fuck shit suggestions we don't actually have any poor posture right now because i told you this is just gonna be short and sweet we are we are here in melbourne doing big things we're making big plays okay so don't worry about poor posture we'll see you on hump day all right Bang Bang! Mm.